Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Uptime Community. We're so glad that you could join us live today. Today's date is June 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Greg Messina. And if you are new here, we are a community of believers that are actively studying the Holy Bible and looking forward to that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Christ, the way, the truth, the life. We want to make this an interactive forum, so we do welcome your questions and your comments today. If you don't know who Jesus is, we do encourage you to get to know him today. I do have to give you the bad news first. The bad news is we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we deserve eternal separation from God and his blessings. The good news is our debt or sins have been fully paid for by the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross. He died for our sins, was buried, and was the only person who was risen in a fully glorified body on the third day. If you believe that this has happened and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are saved from eternal damnation. You'll begin to want to, to live for him and not for the world. As scripture states, we become ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. Imagine that. It's all truth. And his word is truth. And you can find the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And uh, we do welcome today Toby Bethel to Uptime. Uh, we have a special guest. His, uh, Toby is a police officer who was shot four times in the line of duty and ended up crashing his car into a tree. He became paralyzed, was from the waist down, but by God's grace is still alive to tell his story. We're going to bring him on and... Uh, he's going to discuss how he came to know the Lord. But first, I would like to open up with our usual uptime panel. And uh, we do bring back Brother Bob Barber. Welcome back, Brother Bob. Hey, how's it going? Brother Bob Hagan and Brother Michael Pelst. Hey, Brothers, how's it going, guys? Yeah. Good evening. It's going good. Good evening. Uh, so uh, Brother Kevin Hookman cannot make it tonight. Uh, he did have a dentist appointment. Uh, and he is not going to be able to make it. So uh, we do uh, feel free to lift him up in prayer. Uh, and uh, so he has quick recovery. I don't know the details of that, but uh, hopefully he'll be back with us again next week. Well, he knows this, how much I miss him when he's not out here. Oh, of course. Yes, of course, Bob. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, real quick, verse of the day, which is brought to you by BibleGateway.com. Uh, we, uh, we do have their... Uh, information up on uptime and this one is verse of the day ephesians 3 17 through 19 3 chapter 3 verse 17 through 19 that christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of christ which passeth all knowledge that ye might be able to be filled with all the fullness of God. Praise God. That's coming from BibleGateway.com. That's their verse of the day. And um, brothers, I just want to ask how your week was before we bring on our special guest, Toby, to share his testimony. Brother Bob? <clears throat> Week's going by really good. Just uh, watching and uh, doing as I normally do, watching and uh, putting together a video right now that uh, basically outlines what happened from 1932 to 1939, the seven-year Shemitah cycle before the dry run of the seven-year tribulation from 1939 to 1946. And surprisingly, there are so many um, similarities 
that happened in the last seven-year cycle that lines up with what happened from 1939 to 19, I mean, 1932 to 1939, okay? Very interesting, okay? And one thing I want to mention, too, is, um, before I forget about it, um, the Pentagon has now released all their supposed information to Congress. Something very kind of exciting, but not really. But they release all the UFO information to Congress now because they're worried about something. Okay. And they they proclaimed the Pentagon proclaimed last week that they gave Congress everything, which I totally really don't believe, but they gave them everything and Congress is sitting on it. They're not saying nothing right now. Okay, I know we're probably on the verge of World War Three, but for some, you know, it's, think about it. That whole thing came out. They're going to announce World War Three from twelve from the twelfth to the twenty fourth of June, and all of a sudden, the Pentagon just decides, "Hey, we're going to give uh, Congress <laughs> everything about UFOs." Okay, yeah. and they're, they're, they told Congress, "Hey, these things are a threat. You guys need to do something about them." All right, so that's where we're at with that right now. And of course, you know. If uh, an inferior, if, if uh, a superior culture invades an inferior culture, what's going to happen? You, you're going to be completely killed off or absorbed. Now, we know we're not going to be killed off. Everybody that's going to be left behind after the rapture is going to be absorbed into what's coming, these fallen angels. Okay? But I'm going to leave you with <clears> the <throat> last thought here. Are they getting ready to explain away the rapture? Because oh. they're moving fast with this stuff now, guys. Sure. And we are at the verge of possibly World War III starting here in the next few weeks. Okay. So they're making the big, the Pentagon's making the big deal about these UFOs now, calling them a threat. Okay. So we'll see what happens. But that's what I'm excited about. I want to throw that out there for everybody. But great week so far. Thank you for asking. Very good. And uh, let's go with Michael. Oh, that's going to be hard to follow. <laughs> it's so complete. He, he always is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, you guys know I just recently been moving, so we're finally pretty much settled in, so that's pretty exciting. So Praise I'll be God. getting back awesome. on a, a new battle rhythm with getting videos out. I, I put out a little video uh, the other day just to kind of, you know, test the water, so to speak, testing the equipment and getting everything set up in the room that I have my, my stuff in. And I'm pretty excited about that and getting started. And uh, there should be another video coming soon now that Greg gave me a great idea for a video. So that's going to be awesome. I don't want to give anything away, guys, but I think you'll find it enjoyable. But talking about the UFOs, I mean, man, you guys know if you've been to my channel that I've been talking about the predictive programming and the things that's been going on for a while now with UFOs and we can definitely see that, that it's a huge escalation, you know, just, what was it just a few months ago, the Pentagon was saying that they believe that there was a UFO mothership. Remember that guys, the UFO mothership report. So the fact that they're how, continually how escalating this, yeah, I know that's crazy stuff, well, but Hillary talks about all the time. Even more recently though, we have these huge escalations with the, the water dam, right? That, incident that happened overseas and then all this uh the counter offensive and everything that's going on there just remember the guys to keep all everyone in your prayers over there from both fronts because those are human lives and souls right that are perishing so please keep their families and them in prayer as well as those who are being affected without power and water because of the uh the water dam breaking but you can see how 
this is totally paving the way for a huge escalation. I just feel like they're really trying to drag this bear right into a, into something bigger. And I think that that would tie hand and glove, right? So perfectly with the tribulation period, great deception and you know, mm-hmm. tribulation period explaining away the rapture. Mm-hmm. And we know way back in the, in the late fifties and early sixties, how they had all those reports about UFOs being around, you know, the N UKE bases, right. And how they would deactivate them. So it's kind of crazy to see how all this is finally coming to pass, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks for certain. For sure. Well, I can't follow you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are too, too incredible. Um, I kind of agree a little bit there with, uh, with what Bob brought up. I think they're trying to um, find a way to explain away the rest. And he hit a trigger. Did we, did we lose you? (laughs) Yeah. I think we lost him. Okay. So we'll give him three seconds. How about uh, three seconds? He'll come back. There he goes. There you are. You're back now, Bob. I didn't say anything to cause that. I didn't swear. But um, anyway, the, uh, all the stuff with the UFOs and all the information that's been, Bob was just saying, been given to Congress that these people are supposed to be the ones that represent us. Uh, Wouldn't that behoove them to give us information and to, uh, want to keep us informed as to what's going on, but now they they just, you know, it's just like a typical, and I'm not a big fan of politics. I'll I'll tell you at all, period. I just am not. And, uh, as far as what's going on, it's accelerating and it's getting, it's getting awfully close now. Um, personally, my week has been kind of, you know, it was rough at times, but, you know, I'm going to continue to, uh, endeavor to be faithful and, and, um, I'm still doing, doing the, as he leads teachings from time to time, Greg and I get together and we'll do that. And, um, I noticed that there's still people that are viewing them. Uh, so I guess, you know, the word's still going out. Um, and that's, that's the main thing. Uh, we don't, we're not doing this for, you know, to become rich guys. I mean, we're rich in the spirit already because we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies, but we're doing this to uh, inform, um, to, you know, like, like the thing was that you ran in the beginning and you said the bad news is that we're sinners and we're a mess. And, but the good news is that Jesus Christ came and, and uh, he he actually completed. He did everything he was supposed to do. Gave his life, laid his life down on the cross. And they didn't kill him. They laid his life down, folks. And God got him up from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. He's our advocate. He makes intercession for us, and he ain't dead. Okay, so. I'm interested in hearing what Toby has to say, though. This is going to be fun. Amen. 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 So without further ado, we're going to bring our guest on, and uh, he has an explosive testimony to tell folks. 
we do welcome Toby Bethel to Uptime. Toby, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I'll you guys, uh, it's awesome that you guys allow me to come on your channel, just tell what happened to me. Um, I've been a while now that I've, that I've said to hope, but um, yeah, I guess thank you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You guys are, it's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, brother, I'm not sure if uh, it's Wi-Fi connection or if it's on my end, but uh, you're breaking up a little bit there. I don't know if anyone else was hearing that. Um, yeah, I heard it too. Okay, yeah. So there's a little yeah. bit of a break up there. I don't know. Um, it seemed to be okay prior to this. So we'll just pray. Everyone pray against that, everyone in the audience, so we can hear uh, what this man has to say. Um, so, uh, Toby, let's let's start with um, how you became a police officer uh, start there and uh, and tell us what what has happened, what's transpired over your course of your career, and how, where how you ended up being where you are today. Okay, um, back in 1995, I um, I was a welder and I was welding on pressure vessels, and I it just wasn't uh, what I really wanted to do. So. My brother was a police officer in Pueblo, Colorado, and he kept bugging me. Uh, he, he would bug me all the time and ask me, say, you want to go on a ride along? You want to go on a ride along? So finally, I decided, I said, oh, what the heck? I want to ride along with you. So I went on one ride along and one turned into two. Two turned into uh, I need to get into the police academy and and this you're doing. Um, so. I started Police Academy, and um, it was in January of 95, went through it, uh, graduated, and um, became a reserve officer for, for Florence, Colorado, where I, where I live now, and going from, reserve, or a, from, a, yeah, from a reserve to full-time, I, I started full-time uh, as a police officer in uh, December of 95. So... Just to move on years, uh, it is a small department. My department was uh, eight people, seven officers plus the chief. So small town, I think France has uh, three, 4,000 people. So pretty small town. You get to know a lot of people. Um, and once I started doing it, I wanted to do it for the people. I, I loved going out. I loved going out and helping. Um, I, I'm emotional. I'm sorry, guys. But I loved my job. Okay, so fast forward to September, uh, September 28, 2001. 17 days after uh, the tragedy in New York. Of course, still watching it. We were all, you know, mesmerized with everything going on. And the 28th of September, my wife and I, we we were sitting in the in my in my living room. It was a Friday night. We we're sitting in my living room. We were just kind of trying to take a break. I was uh, it wasn't my it was my days off. Um, we were taking a break. We had. We have right now, well, we have three biological children and we, we did foster care. So we had, uh, we had seven kids. 
So we um, we were able to get rid of a whole bunch of them. So they were in the night places. So what we we just just kicked on the couch and just listened to um, a football game. Uh, it was the Florence Huskies homecoming. So we were just kicked back on the couch. And all of a sudden, um, I heard sirens, and I heard more sirens, and I heard more sirens. Um, and I told my wife, I was like, something's wrong. I was like, "That's something's going on. Some, it's some big. Grab my pack set, which is just a handrail that we, that we carried, and I turned it on, and I heard my sergeant come over the air. He said, we need people here. He said, I don't think he's going to make it. He's been shot. So I was like, what the heck? Come to find out it was a sheriff's deputy. Okay, so I get my, I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, no. I get all, I run into my bedroom. I get my tactical gear on, get my stuff all on, go to the front door. And I, I had been, I was married 13 years at the time. I gave him, I gave my wild hug a kiss at the door. I, um, I told her, I said, just go, go to bed. Everything's going to be all right. I said, I'm going to be out all night unless we catch these, unless we catch this guy. Um, before I said, I'll be out all night and I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to drive around town and look for whatever I got to look for. I didn't even know at the time. I gave her a kiss and a hug. I told her I loved her. Boy, did I. That was the last time I'll ever step foot in my house. I'll never be able to walk in it again. You know, didn't know that. I went in my patrol car, went to the police department. I, um, the chief debriefed, debriefed us and told us, uh, told us what happened, told us that a sheriff's deputy had been shot and he, will, he probably wasn't going to make it. Now that sheriff's deputy was shot 20-some times. These guys that did this, it was twin brothers. What happened was the sheriff's deputies got called to to a call in the county, a dog call. And um, they get to the call, and it, Joe Michael Stovall, they shot and killed the dog. So when they when the deputies got there, they it got all the the situation got all real hot and heavy. There was a lot of people there. So what they did, the deputies took the took the stove balls and put them in the police car, and they didn't pat them down. And one of the boys had two handguns in his pants. So he was able to. They had handcuffs too that they made. Um, these the stovall, the dad. And, and the boys, they made handcuff keys that they get in and they were, you, you could, you could get them through um, detectors and they were like made of plastic, some sort of plastic. 
So they weren't, they didn't get padded down. They had the handcuff keys. They were able to get out of their handcuffs. And the, the deputies were driving, the deputy was driving them to the jail. They reached around, pulled the handgun out of their pants, and they shot the sheriff's deputy as he was driving to the police department or to the, to the jail. Um, so what they did, they, they pulled the sheriff's deputy out of his car. They took the guns and, and not to get, you know, disgusting or anything, but they shot his head. They just, just watch what the human body would do at close range. And they pulled him out of his car. They, they just pure evil, pure. I mean, there, there's no way to say it. So from there, what they did, they came like seven miles. They ran across the field through the river and they came into, into town here where they were releasing a, a, a trailer. So releasing the trailer, we'd already done, uh, we'd already went to the dad's house. We cleared the dad's house. We made some stops on cars that we thought might be them. So, and then we got the, uh, we got the, the two, two addresses. So we, the chief sent two guys to one address here in town. And then he sent my, me and, uh, another officer that with me, we went to the trailer park. Now the trailer park only had one entrance. You, you drive down a road and then you got one way in. And I told my partner, I said, I, I, I know where this, I, Close. I know the, the 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 where space number is. I don't know the exact trailer, and the reason I did that's because we had SWAT going everywhere. We had Pueblo SWAT. Uh, we had Colorado Springs, Colorado SWAT. We had helicopters on. The, I mean, we had everybody coming in. So I told my partner. I said, I know where it's at. I said, I just got to make sure that we are just on the right one. And the reason being is I didn't want to, you know, do surveillance on one. And then um, all of a sudden, you know, you get grandma and grandpa coming home from Walmart carrying their bags in and I get the wrong trailer and I call SWAT team in on it. And it would have been pretty heated if they were going into that trailer. So I wanted to get the right space number. So I told my partner, I said, OK, I'm going to drive in. I said, I know where it's at. I said, I just got to get the right one. We're going to back out and we were just going to sit and watch it in case they came in. I mean, that's, we were just trying to close all their news. So they beat me there. <laughs> I drove down. I'm driving, at, I'm driving down and I drive around the corner and I, I got the space dimmer. And I, so I told my partner, I said, I, there it is. I said, we're out of here. So I was able to go around the corner. I, I kind of got on it in my car and I noticed a red pickup off to the, off to my left. And as I'm driving by the pickup truck, I saw some shadows, but I thought ah, the, where the shadows came from, these people, they were kind of like frequent flyers. They were on, you know, we dealt with them all the time. It was Friday night. And I thought, you know, they're just going out to go to the bar because it was kind of at that. I knew their tra where their trailer was. Well, it wasn't them. 
the Stovalls were hiding behind that pickup truck. They saw me coming down. As soon as I got beside the truck, they stepped out. And all I heard was pop, 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 pop. I looked over at my partner and I was like, oh, no, they got us, didn't they? And then I felt a burn in the middle of my back. And it felt like it felt like what I did. I mean, I had my steering wheel and it felt like just like straightened myself up. But it, I thought, well, everything just kind of like balled up and it felt, I mean, I, I kind of like thought I rolled up in a ball. But what I did, I had actually just flattened myself down and I floored my police car. And as I did, they're running from behind me shooting with AK-47 into the in my car as I'm driving by. So I got I I got us out. I told I told my partners like, oh man, we gotta get out of here. I mean, I don't know how I was still conscious. I have no idea. I mean, I kind of blacked out. But I drove out of the trailer park through a barbed wire fence or through a chain link fence through across a road, through a ditch, through a barbed wire fence, through a plow alfalfa field, and I hit a I hit a tree, a big tree. Man, it didn't budge when I hit that sucker. <laughs> when it hit, we stopped. And I was I was scooting. Um and we didn't have our seatbelts on. We thought we figured if there was anything at the trailer and we were going to get in a shootout, we wanted to make sure we were able to get out fast. I mean, all the stuff that we wore. So I remember my partner yelling and he said, oh, no, Toby, we're going to hit it. And I told him, I said, no, I said, you're going to be fine. And at the very last minute, I turned my car as hard as I could so I could take the whole brunt of the of the hit. I remember hitting a tree and I remember the airbag popping and it kind of brought me back too. So I grabbed the top, I, all the windows shattered. I grabbed the top of my car and I tried to pull myself out. The, the impact was so hard. I hit that tree really going as fast as my car would go. I was floored. So it, it trapped me up my legs. I couldn't pull myself out. So I, I laid on the outside of my car and thank God. I, I mean, I got, I don't know if we would have time, but God was in this and the whole thing. I tell you what, um, the Stovall's in that red truck came up right where we were, which about 50, I don't know. Well, 50 yards away or so 40, 50 yards away or whatever. And they're sitting there laughing, say, I mean, if I, if, thank God, I, I was laying unconscious because if I would have been moving, they were, I mean, they were loaded. They had their AK-47, they had SKS, they had handguns. Um, they were, they were, had bulletproof helmet. I mean, they were like LA uh, bank robbery that time. I mean, they were loaded. They were, one goal, they were just going to see how many cops they could kill that night. And that's what it said. So, I'm laying there unconscious again. Like I said, thank the good Lord. I'm I did wasn't moving because they would have filled me full of holes. Partner was able to hide on the other side of the car. We didn't have, I mean, small department. We didn't have any money, so we didn't have a 
we didn't have any rifles or anything. Um, so we had a handgun, which he wasn't going to start shooting at them with his, with his 40. I mean, it would have been silly. So anyway, they went ahead and left. Um, as they're driving away, one of them would drive. One of them stand behind the, in the back of the pickup truck. My chief got behind them. They slowed down enough. One of them, the one in the back set up, started shooting into, I mean, right eye level. My chief, it's amazing. He said how things slow down. He was able to lean over. And I mean, the bullets, I think he said was one or two. I can't remember. Right through him. I mean, through, through his car. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Anyway, um, Two day chase. They they shot at a total. They thirteen of us, I believe. Um, they they the deputy died. He um, he was he he didn't make it. Um, his name was Jason Schwartz. Yeah. They finally got those guys. Two days later, they found them. Uh, they got tired. They they got tired of running, so they gave up. They just said, "Eh, all right, you know, we're done." Boy. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm going back to me. The ambulance gets to they they get they were able to get to me back at the at the scene. They took me. Um, they got me. They didn't know at first that I'd been shot. So they're like, hey, what is going on? Why is he in such bad shape? When they were, they got me out of the car and then they rolled me over and they noticed that my vest, I, I was wearing my vest, but AK-47, the vest back then, there in no way it would stop that bullet. So I was hit twice right in the middle of my back. I was hit once in my arm, in my uh, bicep here, once in the shoulder over here. They got me out, rolled me over. They noticed I'd been caught. They in the ambulance. They rushed me to. Um, they rushed me to the hospital. But on the way to the hospital, I'm having the. Geez, I mean, just going through my head that I was in my front yard playing with my kids, playing football with my boys, and all of a sudden I'd wake back up, and it was like, oh, and I, I told. The ambulance, the, the paramedic that was working on me, he was my fourth. He was my oldest boy's teacher um, at school. He was working on me, and I looked at him and I said, uh, "I said I'm going to die, aren't I?" I just, I knew I was in bad shape, and he started yelling at me, saying, "Not my amateur, not." Well, I, they give me to the hospital. They get me in the operating room, and before they start operating on me, they call my wife in, and they tell her that they he's conscious. You need to talk to him. And they only did that for one reason. They didn't think they. I was in bad shape, so they operated on me all night long. They they cut me from. Uh, they almost had to split me open to get in. I was bleeding really bad. They they didn't know where I was bleeding from. So it took a while to finally find that, it, I mean, where the blood was coming from, the kidney out. They, of course, had to repair a whole bunch of stuff. 
from there, they, I made it, of course. <laughs> um, so I made it from, they flight for life to me out of Canyon City Hospital. They flight for life me to Denver. And I was um, at Denver St. Anthony Central. I stayed up there, did surgery on, on, my, on my back. The bullets messed up my spine, my spinal cord, and a bunch of vertebrae and stuff. So they were able to get all that repaired. I stayed in ICU there for uh, about a month before, about, about six weeks before they moved me out and into a progressive care unit. And it was just one of those things that I was, I, I would, you know, um, I, I don't know if any of you have been through, you know, anything but, you know, you do good for a day and the doctors would tell my wife, OK, he's doing he's doing good today. And then all of a sudden the next day it, it was, you know, he's crashing and, and he's not doing so good. Anyway, six weeks or so later. my I mean, I knew my legs weren't working. I knew I was I knew. I mean, they had me so doped up because I was I mean, I was spit from the front i mean as far as about you could split somebody and in the back i mean about as i mean they were putting like 10 feet of padding in my in the holes in my back because they when you heal i wish they would have just been able to stitch up i mean they did stitch me up and say ah you know you're going to be all better but you heal from inside out so they would pack my huge holes in back they would pack it i mean uh, every day, oh, yeah, they would. Oh my gosh, I can, I can put myself back there now, and I'm the pain. My gosh, oh, it was horrible. They would, I would get beds, first, so they would have to come in and roll me over every two hours. They would roll me from side to side, and I tell you what, they never left pain medicine in that doggone pain pump because when they did that, I was, you talk about pushing that button. <laughs> I was pushing pretty hard. Anyway, um, it was a while, like I said, about six weeks. Uh, a, a gentleman come in from Craig Rehabilitation Hospital. And it's in Inglewood, Colorado, where they treat, they specialize in spinal cord injuries, head injuries. Um, uh, and injuries like that. So they came over and he told me, they said, and my wife was with me. They said, Toby, you're going to be paralyzed and we don't know if you're going to ever get it back. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you prepare for that? I mean, come on. I hunt, I fish, I've got three kids, a nine-year-old, seven-year-old, a five-year-old. I've got foster kids that I take care of. And you're telling me I'm not going to walk? Yeah. Come on. My wife went and visited the hospital. And uh, when she came back, she was a wreck. It's a great hospital. I, I spent a lot of time there. But, boy, it's a, it's one of those that you don't want to have to visit. <laughs> but I did. Got over there. 
They taught me how to get dressed. 32 years old. I was in my prime. Taught me how to get dressed. Taught me how to get out of bed. Taught me to move around. And just taught me how to live. But I tell you what. I was, you know, I was so angry. I know. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I know I didn't do this. But I kept asking, why, God, why? What did I ever do? What did I do wrong? I know it was just the job. I get it. I do get it. I absolutely get it. It was it. Good guys against bad guys. The big nonsense time. <laughs> no, the bad guys got me on that night. But that's okay. Because I tell you, I hit that tree. And if I died, why would I die when I hit that tree? Well, I'd be burning in hell right now. God answered my question. God said, in 2017, I gave my life to Christ. That's when he answered me. He said, this, this is why I'm so grateful for this. I'm so thankful that this happened to me. Because I was in a bad place. He answered why. So I'm grateful. I'm sitting here, you know, being all crying. Misty. You know, my old I'm so hopeful that it's my old life. And I got this one now. So, you know, I guess but I, my message is... Boy, I walked my front door that day. I gave my wife I'm gonna kiss. I told her I said, go to bed. I'll see you in the morning. I'll never walk again. Next <laughs> I take that back. Hmm. My next steps. My next next time I walk, I'll be running into my savior's arms. And I promise you, I'm going to run to him. Because when I go to heaven, my wheelchair ain't going. <laughs> so, you know, my is, guys, if there's anybody out there, listen. My gosh, I was a big old macho boy. I was 208 pounds with 4% body fat. I was a weightlifter. I was a big, I was a big boy. And I lifted and I and I went I worked out and I did it all because I wanted to have that sculpted body. I had one. You know, I, I wasn't one of those that was would take my shirt off and all and this and that, but I was living for me, you know. I was living for I was I I loved my wife and kids, yeah. I did it I did my job right, but I wasn't living I was all about me, me, me. Look at me. So, man, 
It is so important, isn't it, to know to know where if when you take this breath, when you take that breath, it's so important to know we may not take the next one we take, it, it may be it's either gonna be heaven or hell. And we better enjoy because we never know when we're going to take our last step. My last step that I'll ever walk on this earth was September 28th, 2001. And I had no idea. I went out to try to catch a bad guy. And boy, I, I'm the one that got caught. I'm glad I got caught because I, it, 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 it took this to take me to the cross. But I guess, like I said, what a man is. Just, Amen. Man, we just don't know. And I mean, no, you guys know, but my goodness, it's so important to get in this and going about our life and just doing doing our thing and doing our thing. And uh, we just had a tragedy at our church. Eight-year-old boy, I think he's in heaven right now. No, I'm not going to go in any name, but coming home from work. Oh, my gosh. We just don't know. We. I tell my, I tell the guys, I'm a chaplain here at the art, my police department now, I tell them all the time, I'm like, guys, before you go on that call, make sure you you are okay. You take your last breath today, make sure you are okay where you're going to spend eternity. So, Amen. yeah, there my story. Still married. Still married. Um, I tried to push her away. I didn't want her to have to, this, I think I said, I became angry. I, I was, I was mad. And I didn't want her to have to deal with this, but she got, she got more angry than I did. And she, she kind of slapped me around and said, I'm in this for the long haul. And she's still in it with me. So taking it. Amen. So it's awesome. Yeah. That's, wow. That's something, Toby, you know, and, what really strikes and hits home to me is, man, that that journey to that old rugged cross, it looks different for each and every single one of us. But I, I can only imagine what you've been through. And I just know that that's, you know, in God's infinite wisdom, I know we all had to go through some really turbulous times. <laughs> I'll never forget. I had that moment, too, of being extremely angry at God. And I'll never forget being at uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, and there was a deployment coming and just, I was so miserable. I was an alcoholic. I was abusive. I was angry. And I just remember just screaming at God, just so broken and being like, God, why? I did all this to try to make a better life for my family. And you allowed all this to happen. But looking back, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Because Amen. if it wasn't for those defining moments, I never would have came into the goodness and the grace of God and known him for who he is, a saving, forgiving, and a loving God who takes care of us. And he will stop at nothing to bring us back to the fold. And I believe that with all my heart. That's right. Amen. Amen. Toby, thank you so much for that. Thank you for sharing. Um, and you're still working currently with the with the force, right? Um, 
as I, I, I am a volunteer there. Yes, I volunteer. I just do the chaplain stuff for them if they need me. So, yeah, I absolutely do. And, you know, I do whatever. If somebody needs something, I just do what I can. Amazing. Amazing, brother. Well, we, we, uh, we're definitely going to be lifting you up in prayer um, before we close tonight. But um, just, yeah, I mean, everything you mentioned here, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to even be shot and be in that situation you were in, uh, brother. I mean, I, I mean, I don't even, I can't even compare it to anything. And, uh, I just don't know. I wouldn't know unless I'm actually in the situation, but I mean, I'm seeing so much bravery from you. I'm seeing the Lord has had his hand over you throughout the entire journey, uh, and, and, uh, situation. I am seeing so many good things for you that the Lord has for you in store for you. Um, and uh, you were meant to be on this broadcast tonight, brother, to share your testimony. Um, and may it go out to many people and may they be blessed by it and understand that even with what you've been through, God has gotten you through it. And he's going to continuing to get you through it, even as you as you're sitting in that wheelchair, Lord, Lord, you are awesome. Lord, you are amazing. Mm. And your power is made perfect in our weakness. Mm. As the Bible states, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you've, you Amen. do. And uh, thank you for sharing your testimony. Powerful stuff, brother. Amen. You, you blessed me tonight, Toby. That's such an awesome testimony. The Lord's given you such an awesome testimony. Yeah, Toby, I, I want to say um, something that really, you know, everything you said was very, uh, you know, heavy duty to listen to, for sure. When you when you were about to hit that tree, you you turned the car as sharply as you could so that you would take the full, you said that so you would take the full, um, impact on yourself. Yes. That just shows the kind of person that you are. Yes. Um, even in a situation as, as, you know, hopeless and helpless as that, you were still thinking about the guy that you were with. And I guess, did he make it okay? He didn't even, he, he didn't get any, he didn't, he wasn't even scratched. Okay. See, if it had been different, if you hadn't done that, it might have been a completely different situation. You both might have been killed. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't know you, but I know from listening to you and when, when you said that, the Lord just put on my heart that that's the kind of individual that you are with that, that love of God in Christ in you. So don't ever lose that. Because that's a gift and to, you know, there's no greater love than a man would give his life for his friends. And you, you know, basically did in in many ways do that. Just, just, Just to be able to have the clarity of your mind to be able to think through doing that shows that the Lord was, was in there. I believe, I mean, I, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but that's really what, what, uh, was, was really emphasized to me was like, uh, Amen. Lord said, look at that guy look at the kind of individual that he is. And 
and would be willing to do that and and then through everything you've gone through to you know for all operations and everything and for you to be able to come on here and there's nothing wrong with getting emotional man i mean i <laughs> i'm a mess sometimes oh, yeah. but but Amen. you're you're just uh, you know you your testimony your your life will now like Greg was saying, you know, the Lord's got a lot of stuff planned for you and for your family as you go forward, I believe. But he's put within you that, that, uh, the, the really the love of God in Christ Jesus Amen. is, is what he's, you know, he's, he's given us all the faith of Jesus Christ, but certain people have a real, um, long suit in it if you will and i i believe that's what you have brother you know um I, yeah i really do he's the only thing that keeps me going i uh, you know i i don't want to interrupt or anything but he is um i don't want to sound that i know life is hard for it's hard life is hard i um it's it, it's I don't want to sound like a whiner, but without without Jesus, guys, I love my family to death. I, I do. I absolutely do. I love my kids. I love my I've got I've got a lot of kids and grandkids, but back in the day, I don't even I mean it was only Jesus that keeps me going. Um yeah, I don't, yeah, anyway, uh, quick, quick, I'm going to let uh, my whining. <laughs> no, no, hey, no, you know, no, 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 you're not whining no. at all. I just, uh, no, that's fine. It's your, you know, it just, it, everybody's touched in a different way, Toby, with what you, you spoke. And I know that Bob and Greg and Michael and myself are, um, you say that you're, you feel privileged to be on here. Heck, we're the ones that are privileged <laughs> to be yeah, in amen. your presence, brother. I mean to tell you, because I was looking forward to this all day today. Yeah. Uh, I have yeah, been, I started you know, early. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Toby, I got a question for you. You said at the beginning of that whole thing, you were you heard the sirens, all that stuff going on. But then you went and turned on your radio, and then you heard your 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 sergeant or your your, your your boss, whoever that will be, your captain, saying that they need people there. Now, my question to you is, were you on call that night, or did you just go out there voluntarily? No, I, I just went out. I, I went out voluntarily. Wow. So yeah, you weren't I, even, like, on the clock? No. You weren't even told to go out? No. You went out and had the biggest night of your life, and you did it voluntarily? Yes. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Uh, you know, it, it, was, it was brutal. Those guys, you know, they were, man, it was, it, it was pure. I mean, it was just as evil as you could get there. You know, I, I can't, I won't definitely wouldn't ever go into things, but mm -hmm. it was bad. It was, they just wanted to see who, how many cops they could kill. They were out yeah. just, let me uh, let me ask you the question: uh, the elephant in the room here. Did those two survive? Yes, and they got. 
I was still in the intensive care unit when the whole case, the entire case, the book was closed and it was done. In one month, our district attorney, I don't know what religion he is, but he, whatever, he didn't believe believe in the death penalty. So he ran them through, gave them life plus 896 years without the possibility of parole. That was it. I never got to go to trial. He was still in, in intensive care whenever he, I, I get it. If you, if you don't believe in the death penalty, I get it. Okay. Don't be a district attorney because it might come up. These guys, they deserve to die. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to make yeah. anybody mad, but they, the, as brutal as this was, they didn't, they don't deserve to be in prison right now. They are, no. they'll never get out. I mean, Absolutely but not. still they, it, and maybe I'm wrong by thinking that I, I don't know, but it was goodness it was brutal. It was bad. You know, that's okay to think that way. You know, in the Bible, one guy was uh, picking up sticks on a Sabbath and they killed him. Hmm. Okay. So what, what these guys did was unheard of. And if they don't repent, trust me, what, what they did, their, their suffering in the lake of fire will be gauged to this. Okay, the Bible talks about where little is known, little is required. Okay, you here's the reason why everybody like that, these scumbags like this, end up at the white throne judgment. And there's a reason why God goes through everything they did, everything they said, everything they thought. Because I believe at the white throne judgment, people like this and everybody that goes to that judgment, however that lake of fire works, that lake of fire, their spot is designed specifically for everything they did. Everything, every law they broke, every wrong thing they did, that spot of theirs in the lake of fire is specifically dialed in for what they did. So they will pay for eternity like you wouldn't believe if they don't get saved. Okay, yeah. it's going to be horrific what they're going to go through, and it's going to be for eternity. And I know, I get it. The Bible says, but God said, vengeance is mine. Yep. Let me take care of it. Okay, because what's yeah. the best that we can do? Kill them? That's it. Right. Well, yeah. But God, yeah. man, he's like, hey, I can put them in that fire. I can make it 10 million degrees, and they can mm-hmm. take the heat. And I could do it for eternity. Mm-hmm. Let yep. me take it. Eternity. Right. Yeah, no. Just let that sink in for a moment. That is Now, that is yeah. a prison sentence. Eternity. Yeah. I mean, you could be put in a room for an eternity, and that would be hell on in itself, you know. Throwing the lake of fire on top of that. <laughs> I don't even like the Hey, uh, things like Toby, that. one thing, uh, another thing that just came to mind here. Uh, you must have a terrific wife. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, you, you must have an awesome wife. I, I don't want to down, downplay her, her role in this because uh, many times when something like that happens to an individual, you, you know, you, you feel that way. I don't want to burden. I don't, I don't want to burden her with this. Uh, a lot of the guys who come back from the wars, you know, they their marriages fall apart if, if they don't have a good, solid wife that's that takes seriously the vow. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. you know, I don't so know what true. her name is, but she must be pretty terrific. Her name is Miss, and she is she is the best. And you know, and and you say that, and she's she's. I mean, I've 
I get, I've had a whole lot of surgeries. I mean, I've, I've had like 10 major operations and then I don't even know how many minor operations. It's just a whole bunch. And what always happens, I get to go in for the surgery. And then when I'm done, they put me on pain medicine. And, you know, as you could say, I get to check out for a bit. She, she never gets to check out and she's always there. She, so she, I can't even imagine. I, I don't even, I, I wouldn't even want, I, want to think what she went through when she first I mean when I she heard I shot she had she stayed up there in that room with me the entire time and I was in the up in Denver for six months she arranged for the kids to be taken care of she arranged for the the bills to be paid and as soon as I got shot the money stopped everything I, I if I go in, I went into everything that, eh, what a nightmare it's been, you know, with uh, just people. I'm a liability now, and people don't want to deal with the liability, I guess. But anyway, so the, that's just been, it's been a nightmare. But she's had to deal with all of it. So anyway, sorry to go on to that, but oh, yes. No, she, no, it, not at all. Yeah. She but she's, she's been she's been asked to be on uh, news uh, newscasts, right? I mean, yes. This is a huge shootout. Uh, this is one of the largest shootouts in Colorado, right? History. Yeah, yeah. So she's been she's been through quite a bit, and obviously have has supported you. But she's she's been willing to get on, uh, you know, television. I guess almost national television as well. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Well, we we do have a clip here from uh, one of those. Uh, and uh, do you mind if I if I play that? You can do whatever you need. All right. Yeah. One moment. He explained what happened on that Friday night, his day off, 20 years ago. I never worried about him when he went out. I mean, this is a small town and stuff like that doesn't happen in a small town. His wife, Misty, remembers him giving her a kiss as he walked out the door after Sheriff's Deputy Jason Schwartz was shot and killed in the line of duty. Toby and his partner went to check one of the places where the suspects might be. All I heard was pop, 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 pop. And I remember looking over at Eric and I was like, oh no, they got us, didn't they? He felt his back burning and knew he'd been shot. When the bullet hit me in the back, I straightened up and my foot went in the gas pedal and I floored my car. The car crashed into a tree. Paramedics yelling and screaming at me, saying, Toby, hang in there, hold on, we're, we're going to get you to the hospital. He'd stay at a Denver hospital for nearly a month. At that point, I remember the, the man telling me, that I was going to be paralyzed and they were going to teach me how to live. But the biggest lesson he's learned through his recovery, finding his faith, leading him to hope. It has changed me into such a better person than I used to be. Doing what may seem impossible. Toby's at a point in his life where he forgives them. And I know that the right thing to do would be to forgive them, but I don't. In saying things you never thought you'd hear. I am so thankful that this happened. The bad guys tried to get us, but they they failed. Living his life in spite of those who tried to take it away. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy. So it's really yeah. it's really something, man. I tell you, it's uh, no wonder I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> Boy. And, and, you know, every time, 
you know, the word says the word does not ever go out void, which means it, it when it goes out, it accomplishes that which it's supposed to accomplish. Now, when you are speaking, you know, when you have your testimony, you're saying that, uh, you know, a lot of people won't understand how you can say, well, if this, you know, this, I'm glad this happened, or if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have come to the Lord. But you have to realize that it still says in the word, the goodness of God calls a man to repentance. There was nothing good about the shootout. There's nothing good about these animals trying to kill you. But what the devil meant for an end. God gave you a beginning, brother. Absolutely. So, and I know that's how you look at it. Because I, I can see I can see that hard years, man. And Amb- ambushed by evil, by grace. It was, it was there, but it just needed to be brought out. Yes. If you can, if if you can dig it, I mean, yes. I, I, that's that's what that's what I'm getting from everything. Because we all have a desire to know God. That's an innate thing within all men, but because of our pride and because we want to be this and be that, a lot of times we bury it and we cover it up and, you know, we want to be this or be that. And then all of a sudden we're broken and we're humbled. We get to the point where, you know, we turn to the Lord because, not because we're weak, but because we need his strength. Amen. You know, I always talk too much. Do you think you talk? I'm a black. <laughs> no. It reminds me of uh, what Brother Greg said once. You know, sometimes we just gotta learn to let go and let God. That's that's probably one of the biggest things that you know I've had to learn even since coming to the Lord in February 16th evening, 17th morning of 2019. It's just learning to let go of what I keep wanting to hold on to and let God fill the void in His place because you know going through addictions and. And just all the things in life, you know, we, I believe that we try to live our own life. You know, we, we none, you know, the scripture says none of us sought after God. We all turned and went our own way. We all gone astray. And for me, that was a huge thing, you know, and I knew of God. I grew up in a Christian family, you know, we went to church and we had this uh, little program where we had these rings and uh, it was like this uh, abstinence kind of thing. And, you know, it was about, you know, remaining pure for the Lord and everything. And I was just like, and I went there and I, I wanted that. I wanted a relationship. But then, you know, the world came in and God just had to, he has to bring us through some pretty turbulent waters. But he's always there with you. And it's cool because you can look back as far as you want in your entire, over the course of your whole life. And I encourage everyone listening, if you have not done this. So look back over your life and examine it. Look for the moments that God has been there. Look for those times when God has pulled you through impossible situations. At times when you used to think it was just good luck or chance or happenstance, you can take all that and throw it in the trash and replace it with what God has done in your life, bringing you from point A to point B to the cross. And it's such a wonderful experience because 
that anger, the the questions of why it, it all fades away when God opens your eyes to this, you know, and when you look back, you're just, it's just replaced from with anger. The anger goes away and it's just replaced with just streams of gratitude and Thanksgiving. And just, you're just so thankful. You're like, Lord, that seemed like such a bad time, but I'm so grateful for how everything turned out. You know, if it wasn't for this happening in such a way, it would have never have led me here, which wouldn't have led me there. And it just snowballs exponentially mm-hmm. toward the cross. And I think that's something. And if you notice, usually in every believer's life, there's always it always builds up to that climactic moment where it's the choose this day who you're going to serve moment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, Jesus, <laughs> you're the one. You're the one because we see God allows us to see the other side to experience. I remember being in the back of an ambulance and not sure if I was going to make it. And I'll never forget the fear that I felt and the darkness that it was. It was like I was just fading out. And as it got darker and darker, I was just I just felt such a fear I've never felt before. And it would snap me back, you know, and I was grabbing the the stretcher and the the EMT's arm and they were freaking out because it was good in their arm, you know, and it was a a dicey moment. But if it wasn't for those moments, you know, you, I would never had sought the Lord. You know, I knew of him, but I never sought him until those mm-hmm. moments when I when I realized, hey, this is this fear, this darkness, this is what's waiting for me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like Jesus, please I'll never forget that day, guys, when, you know, I was watching Robert Breaker and I got my Bible out after listening to some metal music. <laughs> and I was like, what's this? And I remember going to First Corinthians 15, <laughs> 1 through 4, and I'll never forget it. Never forget it. I remember I read it because I was like, how do we do this thing? <laughs> and I remember reading the gospel and I was like, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I want right here. And. When I woke up that next morning, my entire life changed. It's just Amen. been a wild ride ever since. Amen. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And I can, we can identify, all of us can identify to that here uh, because we've all had some experience in some form of our, uh, or another, right? And, and when we talk about experience, sometimes people, uh, you know, they kind of wonder about that because it's not always about experience, right? It's about coming to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's coming about yep. reading his word, understanding the gospel, yep. receiving that. Yep. Amen. Um, and, you know, I mean, many of us here have had ex- experiences. Okay. Yeah. Strong, yeah. very strong experiences, but it's not always the case with everyone. And we want everyone exactly. to understand that it's not always based on uh, an experience. But a lot of times, an experience does does happen, does help in uh, bringing someone to understanding and knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. And like uh, Deneen, you know, uh, with her testimony a couple weeks back, it's it's amazing, guys, because God is tailored to us, right? He is a relationship with us, and He knows exactly who you are and exactly what you need all the time, and. God gives us exactly what we need when we come to him and your experience will look different than my experience. My experience looks vastly different from brother Toby's from brother Bob, brother Hagen's and brother Greg's, but it's all about Jesus. You know, it's all about the, Jesus. yeah, it's all about Jesus. 
the Lord's the one who's just guiding us through this <laughs> crazy process. And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, man, we would get all lost and hung up on ourselves if, if it wasn't for the Lord. Yep. It is. Yeah, it's we could go off on all these, we could go off on all these, uh, like, we've talked about this many times over the last few years. Uh, you know, when I first started taking part in these, uh, these forums and our time, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of these guys. Um, I didn't really know Greg and I've gotten to know him as a close brother over the years and, and Bob and now Michael and Kevin and a lot of other people. And it's just how <clears throat> we, another thing we really need to be thankful for Toby is the fellowship that we can have with, with, uh, with each other, you know, uh, it's it's very important because this isn't a solo act. We're not in we're not in this to uh, you know to build individual ministries up. You know what's what did, what good does that do? I mean, it's for your ego. Yeah. You know, come on now. You know, Michael could go on off off this thing. You know, this Centurions of Faith is a you know the number one podcast in America, two million five hundred hits <laughs> no. a, a week or something. <laughs> Or you know Bob right. with Bob with the work he does, <laughs> yeah, wow. you know, and, and Greg the things he does. Yeah. But that's not the reason we do it. We do it. We want people to come back to the Lord. You know, we want the prodigal sons to come back to the Father. Absolutely. You know, we and and I really believe that what you shared tonight is going to a lot of people are going to come across this because a lot of people watch this and they're gonna they're gonna listen and they're gonna maybe think about their eternity a little more than they would have before they watched it. Amen. They're going to say, well, you know, there's, this is really horrible what happened to this man, but look at him now. I mean, does, do he, does he look bitter and angry? No, he look bitter and angry. Look blessed. Yeah, there's no you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, and, and uh, through everything you went through and everything that's transpired over the years, uh, gosh, it's it's a it's a real miracle that any of us are here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this yeah. this one, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I've I've been around for a while, but I don't know. This is the grace of God. I think He had yeah. the angels doing shift work when I was younger. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, they, um, they you're on the call. <laughs> yeah, come on, take it out there again. <laughs> Not again. Well. Yeah. And even with 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 the whole with the whole thing there with me the um, there's a lot of it that I didn't go into but doctors were in the right places and there's doctor my back surgeon was in in at St Anthony Central he wasn't even there to um, he wasn't actually practicing to do that stuff at he was just he would go around all over the world and give lectures about about backs and surgeries. He was like one of the top back surgeons. He just happened to be there. And he said, I'm going to, he says, I'm going to wait until they get him in here. I'm going to do his back surgery. Um, The surgeons at my, that cut me in the front at first, they couldn't find the the bleeding. There was another doctor there that wasn't, was trained in trauma from Las Las Vegas uh, emergency room. He happened to be in the hospital that night. He came to the into the operating room. Within five minutes, he found the bleeding, pulled yeah. out my kidney. I mean, so there is so yeah. much that 
God was in it from them. And if I could, if I showed you the pattern where I, where I had to drive in and all, I mean, those guys, they should have popped us both right in the face. They, they were that, they, they were that good of shots. If, I mean, God was in this from the minute I walked out of my, of my house to the whole thing. So it, yeah, it, it, I mean, I should have died when I hit the tree. I mean, it just so much. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's amazing that I'm here. It's amazing. What's, what's next for you? Yes, it is. But what is, what's next for you for Toby? Uh, do you, are you currently going out? Um, I think we may have spoken about this briefly that you, you plan on doing some kind of lectures, um, speaking, um, you know, I would, I, I, I spoke, I've, I've told my testimony in churches and stuff. Um, so I, police academies, police departments, church, I just, it, if anywhere God leads, you know, of course. Um, but I, yeah, I just, my, my passion is cops. <laughs> I love cops, you know, um, and being a cop is there's so many that I know that don't believe. I mean, they go, cause they go from, they go into a call and it's, it's negative and they get out of that call and they get to go to another call that's negative or let's just say dark. And then they get to go to another dark call and dark call. I mean, they're always, you know, cops. I mean, well, we, you deal with problems and you deal with definitely people that sometimes you don't want to deal with you would you just don't want to deal with them so anyway they see they see so much you know uh so much darkness man i just want to take jesus to them and just let them know that jesus wants to love them and whatever you know and i can it, it's hard to get into. It. I, don't, I, I don't know if you guys uh, know in cops or whatever, but it's hard to get into a cop's life because I tell you, we yeah. we get we take that stuff and we do that with it, and we just keep shoving that stuff down. Yeah. So it's yeah. if if you're not, it you know if you're not, I guess if you don't know them or if you're not one of them. It's they they'll they they'll shut you down. They'll just shut you right down. Um, yeah. So and I can get to them. Um, so you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, whatever whatever God will let me do, I'm I'll go. I, I don't care where it is. You know, I I just send me. You know, hey, I'm yeah. ready to roll. Uh, I, yeah, literally, I literally. So, you know what I've seen and heard, Toby is. Most of your cops are believers because of that reason. Most of your firefighters are believers because of that reason. Most of your paramedics, same way. Now, think about that when the rapture takes place. How many cops are going to be gone? How many firefighters? How many paramedics you're going to need after everything hits the fan and everything crashes? You're going to need paramedics and nobody's going to be able to help you. Nobody's going to defend you. Yep. What a mess. What a mess. Yeah. Soon. Soon. It's definitely going to be a mess. Yeah, yeah, my uncle, he was a a sheriff in Oakland, California 
I'm not sure if you oh. guys are familiar with that territory. It's Oakland is a notorious. Uh, it's a, a notorious, you know, hood environment. And um, he said they wouldn't ambulance won't go in there without police escorts, things like that. And I remember hanging out with him one summer and he was just telling me all kinds of stories. And I was like, God bless you. brother. <laughs> like yeah. they, they see some stuff, you know, and it's okay. kind of interesting. Now he was in the Marine Corps before he went into the police uh, department, but it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, cause soldiers and Marines, you know, they go out in deployment, but cops it's, it, your deployments every day, you know, it's 24 seven. There's no downtime, you know, you're not in country for a little bit and then going back out. I mean, I'm not saying as a Marine or a soldier, it's easy going on deployment, you know, because you're in a foreign land. You got adversaries everywhere. You don't know who you can trust. You know, you got to go outside the wire. But they both, I think, can be relatable in that sense that it's crazy. It's it's a it's a it takes a unique person. And just like what uh, Brother Toby was saying about being a volunteer, that's why it's so rare like the police department fire department emts uh, military personnel it's a volunteer force guys every it takes a special person to do it because it's not something you don't get paid a lot i know you guys you guys may not realize it but i mean you you can barely make ends meet i mean for pete's sake they had a you've been trying to tell people in the military now to get food stamps because they literally don't pay them enough to pay for their groceries you know, I mean, it's it's not like you're doing it for some elaborate, you know, There's money that's just all. flowing everywhere. You do it because you want to help people. You love people and you want to see people succeed. And whatever case that is, you know, but it's definitely unique. And I I feel for your brother, Toby. And it's so awesome to be able to reach other individuals that need Jesus and to be able to have that relatable experience. And I believe it was Paul, right, that was talking about how he became all these different aspects to be able to reach people, loosely paraphrasing that scripture, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think that's so awesome that God has brought so many to himself that now you can go out into that domain that no one could possibly reach but you, Toby. Mm-hmm. So that's that's so awesome. Very good. Amen. Yeah. So we uh, we do get questions here on Uptime, Toby, and uh, we're going to bring up some questions shortly. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? Uh, you, you did a great job, by the way. Well, thank you. Um, you know, there's not really I think I probably um, blabbered on plenty. I you know the importance of. Just making sure like i said that we know you know where if it's going to be your last breath that you're okay where you're going to spend eternity because yeah. we never know we I, I walked out of my house september 28 21 over 21 years ago i walked out of my house and i was the last time i will ever step into my house again and 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 thank the good Lord I'm alive. So um, I, I just how important it is to know where where we're going to spend eternity um, because we we just never know when 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 it's it when it's over. We have no idea. Not guaranteed another breath, are we? So 
Um, we just, it's important to know that uh, I know I'm going to heaven. Like I said, my name, my steps, I'm going to run into my Savior's arms, boy. And I can't tell you what, you know, I can't wait for, you know, I can't wait for my feet to feel nice, cool grass. I mean, just, uh, I can't wait to feel things like that with my feet again. So anyway, that's just me blabbering on, but yeah. Amen. Yeah, no, well, you are not. Yeah, obviously you're not blabbering on please do. Uh, what I do want to mention to people is you don't really have a YouTube channel per se, right? You don't really no. get on social media much. You do have, I think, uh, an Instagram account, but you don't really, it's not really ministry, uh, ministry related. Uh, no, no. At this time. Okay. But uh, you did uh, have an email address in case anyone wanted to email you. May I yes. present that on the screen now? Sure. Okay. So uh, if anyone wants to reach Toby, you can reach him at the email address, uh, tobybethel at gmail.com. That's to- tobybethel at gmail.com for those on the audio podcast. Uh, the other amazing thing is your last name. Uh, brother, it's uh, it is quite interesting. Uh, Bethel obviously means uh, house of God. Yep. Um, Amen. And uh, yeah, that that is uh, that is quite amazing to to see that because when I I first saw it, I, I said, oh, well, this is this is interesting. He had that tag to his his life story the whole time. Um, yep. But yeah, that's that's really awesome, brother. I <laughs> I, I do find that amazing. Um, so anyway, with that said, uh, we should get into questions, and I think uh, we have some questions for you directly, but let me uh, bring up some things here. Maybe we can bring something up. Let me see if there's something for you specifically. If anyone has any questions directly for Toby, please please add them into the chat. Um, it doesn't look like there's anything specifically at this time, but maybe people will add something. Okay, here, here's, uh, here's one thing here. Okay, so... On uptime, obviously, you you're, you know, you you watch you watch uptime, and you know what yes. we get into here. We get into prophecy, um, and we're very excited about the Lord's return. Uh, it could be any day now, according to our research and uh, and according to the Bible. So, question: uh, Do you think the twenty thirty agenda is the elite's time clock because they know Jesus is coming for them with his sword, his dukes up, and his army? So let's... It's amazing she mentioned time clock because in New York City they had a regular clock in Town Square and they switched it over to the uh, to the, uh, the the doomsday clock, the countdown for climate change to destroy the world, and they set that clock right after AOC back in 2018 said we had 12 years before the world ends, and then they set that clock right after that, and guess when that clock comes to an end? 2030. Hmm. So I think they have that clock counting down in New York City right now for the return of the Lord. Hey, I I would think so. Mm-hmm. Toby, what do you think? I agree. I'm I'm all I'm I'm all with you guys. Um, this this twenty thirty stuff is is pretty amazing, and like like you said, I watch you guys all the time. So, yep, I'm agreeing with you, Bob. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a whole lot of stuff about twenty thirty. All my all my research points towards it. And my research was already pointing towards it. And then that I, uh, Messiah 2030 came along all that research. So even though he doesn't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but you can glean from that, right, Michael? Mm-hmm. You can always glean. Oh, yeah, you know, of course. Information. 
Yeah, definitely. Gleaning is probably one of the a very important one of the important aspects as as a believer to just go through to be mature enough to evaluate everything and to glean from things and just to kind of add on to the clock not to mention the one behind me here (laughs) but uh it's Uh so amazing because in i believe was it may bob that they had the 90 seconds set to midnight i believe it's at 90 seconds Mm -hmm. and how interesting guys that the doomsday clock is always to midnight think about it the midnight hour Someone knows very important things always happen at the midnight hour. And I find that very interesting. And I think that they know exactly what's going on. The the elitists, I believe, have always been connected with Lucifer. And I believe they really do conspire. And some of these, I know it sounds pretty fringe. Sorry, Greg, for saying it, but I do they believe they do conspire and conspire. And possibly even speak with satanic principalities and powers mm. in high places at these like different secret meetings that are held around the world that no one's allowed access to because they're definitely mm. orchestrating everything for a reason. They know. Lucifer knows. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Amen. I agree. There's a question here for Toby. Where'd, where'd it go? Here he is right here. Toby, do you have to stop fostering after the ordeal? <laughs> they, they, yes, they took the kids away from us, and they, they didn't think we would be able to do the job uh, up to the kids' standards. Since I was, they didn't, they didn't say since I was handicapped. But ah, come on. So yeah, mm-hmm. they, they took, they took our kids. Yep. Uh, this there's so much that was done. It yeah eh, yeah you know it is what it is. Uh, yeah, it was a mess. Well, speaking of kids, do you do you believe that the children of non-believers will be raptured? I do absolutely. As long as they're still alive in Christ, they haven't reached that age of accountability. The Bible says that the dead uh, that the that uh, in First Thessalonians four sixteen and seventeen, that the, the alive and remain, and I believe that's pointing towards the children, those who are spiritually alive. They have not died to their sins yet, as Apostle Paul talked about, where you are you are still alive, and then the the sin revives, the commandment comes, and you spiritually die. Okay, but they're still alive. So I absolutely believe that all children on the planet are going to be taken, and the ages vary. Okay, everybody's different. Okay, what do you guys think? Oh, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you, Bob. But uh, I think that uh, absolutely that definitely age of accountability. I think it's personally, I believe it's very unique. I mean, God is just and He is good, and I know that because there's people out there and individuals who have been born handicapped. You know, mm-hmm. they have mental inabilities to make those types of decisions, you know, so to sit there and I know there is groups out there who say that, you know, little ones can be even burning. And I just do not believe that for one second. No, not, I just don't believe it. I mean, there's nowhere in scripture that would even support that, that mindset. I think it's a very prideful mindset when people say that, because they're always trying to elevate themselves to a point like, well, I made the right decision, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, definitely, Bob, I totally believe you're spot on. I believe that all children 
who have not hit that accountability in that may even extend up to, you know, 40 or 50 year olds who have been mentally handicapped, you know, whatever mm-hmm. condition they were born in, they, they have no idea, you know, and it, having that conviction and knowledge of sin, you know, that's what makes us accountable for everything that's going on. So, and um, you can read about that a lot in Romans mm-hmm. for everyone. who's curious about I got that. A interesting question here. It says, why would God rapture people against their will? I don't think there's anybody I've out seen there. That. That would be, I don't think there's anybody out there that would be like, I don't want to go. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that there is anybody no. out there like that. <laughs> I believe there's people out there that are saved, indwelling the Holy Spirit, and they're like, man, I hope I can get this done and this done before I leave. Yeah, but after yeah. the rapture, all, all cards are off the table, man. You don't yeah. want to be here for it. And the reason why, my answer is, the reason why you will be taken out, especially against your will, if you came to the point where you believe, the Bible says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, okay? Your spirit's brought back to life, all right? It's alive in Christ now. That's why when you, your body dies, your spirit goes to heaven, okay? Mm-hmm. Because it has God's DNA in it. And it returns to God, okay? So at the rapture resurrection, when the trumpet goes off, everybody that has this indwelling Holy Spirit are going to be raptured whether they want to be or not. Because yeah. in Romans 8, not eight uh, chapter 8, verse 10, 11, it talks about how that Holy Spirit is triggered at that point, and then it changes you from the inside out. Amen. So yeah, That's people will be taken against their will, but I don't think there's anybody on this planet that yeah. will really be like, "Leave me alone!" Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive a car for the first time. Oh, leave me alone! Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's funny you say that, Bob, because you know I, I seen that question too, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." I remember talking with Greg about some, um, the gospel at some point, and uh, Greg emphasized the importance of the resurrection aspect of the gospel, right? Because we have 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, which is our gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. But there's a special emphasis on the resurrection in the verses following, right? So, and then you go in the latter part of the chapter and verses 50 on down, and you you actually have a picture of the rapture and resurrection. And it's like, Guys, you know, when we see the the gospel that was given to us by Paul, that's that's something that we're equally looking forward to. Like that's that's a that's the whole kit and caboodle right there, right? It's it's not only being saved, but getting our new bodies and getting out of here. So right. I think that most believers are going to be thoroughly excited <laughs> getting out of yeah. here because we're like, man, we're here for the full package, you know? Yeah, just the salvation, but the redemption of the purchased possession as well. Plus, whose will are we trying to do here? Is it our own will? Exactly. Or yeah. is it the will of the Father through exactly. Jesus Christ? I mean, we have I to remember that, folks. Yes, that's right. Amen. So, uh, go ahead, Bob. It says, what's an example of the unforgivable blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Why is it the only unforgivable sin? Well, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is something you cannot do right now. You know, when Jesus said that they uh, they committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, they they said that those, those, those claimed that Jesus had a demon in them. They directly mm-hmm. rejected. They said that's not the Holy Spirit in you; that's a demon. Okay, and at that time, Jesus said, "You just committed blasphemy. You rejected the Holy Spirit, and you called it a demon inside of me." Okay, so that's what they did during that time. 
But mm-hmm. now during the age of grace, you cannot commit blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because that right. can only be that can only be achieved during the uh, kingdom gospel, which got paused two thousand years ago. But it will be unpaused, and a form of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will be the rejection of the Holy Spirit with taking the mark of the beast. Yeah, that's an unforgivable sin. Bible is clear <laughs> about that. Okay, you yeah. reject the Holy Spirit completely. That's that's your last chance. Yeah. All right, you reject the Holy Spirit, you're done. There's nothing after that. No, no other sacrifice. No other. No, nobody else is coming to help you. The last, <clears throat> Holy Spirit's your last. Your last boat out of here. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and Amen. correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but I've always seen that that scripture, and um, totally in agreement with you guys. But one thing that kind of always came to mind was that a it is that sin of unbelief. The complete rejection of the salvation of Jesus Christ, saying Absolutely. that God is not going to save me. He has no power. You know what I mean? That to me is the, an example of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because we know it takes faith to be saved. Absolutely. Hey, Bob. And, there's one. There's one thing about the uh, that question that uh, I'm just going to bring this up. I'm not going to get into any discussion about it. But when uh, when Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he he made the statement, "Ye are of your father the devil." Okay, mm-hmm. that's in the Word. Um, he was a liar from the beginning. Now, in order to be him to make a statement, "Ye are of your father the devil," I believe that there has to be some type of birth there you know there are people that are have sold out to the devil and they're gone i mean they they have his nature they're they're pure evil like toby was talking about with those two brothers people like that just don't normally normal people don't do that kind of stuff so i think it's a little bit i personally think it's a little bit more um intense than you know, there, there's more to it being, you know, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The unforgivable sin could be, you know, what you guys are talking about. I believe that's true. But when when Jesus made the statement, you are of your father, the devil, it wasn't just to fill a page, you know, a couple of lines of the Bible. He knew oh, that these yeah. guys were had sold out, that they were, there's nothing he could do to help them anymore. Yeah. Just, just something for you to think about. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you, Bob. I yeah. mean, I see that all the time. And, you know, we are kind of, you know, we're all born in this corruptible flesh, right? We're all sinners. And and until we're regenerating and reborn in Jesus Christ, you know, we all come from a corrupt, <laughs> corrupted seed line. So, it's, you know, it's 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 amazing what God can do, though, because, you know, we can't forget about examples with like Legion. Remember the guy who was possessed by a legion of demons. So, I mean, some I guarantee in his little village that he came from probably were like, there is absolutely no hope for this guy. But I think Jesus demonstrates time and time and again throughout scripture that no matter how debased or far off you are, he can still reach you, you know? And I think that's so awesome. You know, it's like, it gives you hope for people, you know, that, sure. that are lost. Cause it's he like, makes it possible. Yeah, God makes know, the and, impossible possible. Like the disciples told him, "Who, yeah. who then, Lord, can be saved?" And he yeah. says, "What does he say?" 
He said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. Chicken skin time. <laughs> that's awesome. Love it. That's a good question here. Speaking of which, I said this question to the panel. Do you think the rapture will happen either the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus or the day we celebrate his rising after the third day? Now, I think what they're referring to the, the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus around December 25th. Now, that was not actually when Jesus was born. He was actually conceived at that time. He was conceived with the Holy Spirit and Mary. Nine months later, from December, he was born around Feast of Trumpets in September. Okay. So the conception, I I look at this with the conception of the body of Christ happened 2,000 years ago. It began with Apostle Paul. It was conception. And like a baby, it's grown in that womb, that man-child Every single person that gets saved, Amen. that baby grows and grows and grows and grows. That man-child grows in the womb until the day that man-child is born. When we are born, we give new, we, we receive new mortal bodies, all of us. It's a corporate birth for the body of Christ. Also, individual rebirths for us as well with new mortal bodies. So, yes, I don't know if it's going to be the, you know, she says here, or he says here, it's going to be the third day after he rises. We're already past that already. So now we're looking towards the fall of feast. So what do you guys think? I think the Isaiah 66, 7 through 9 on what you're saying, uh, Bob, and starting verse 7, it says, Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she delivered of a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing and who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth? That's so awesome. <laughs> Saith the Lord, shall I cause to bring forth and shut up the womb? Saith God. That scripture came to mind when you were talking about that. Perfect you know, scripture. Like, yeah, a- brought forth her children. You know, in one day, children, plural. Yeah. What happens yeah, on the Christ, the rapture, resurrection? It's plural because we are billions, but we represent Jesus' governing body. body, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. And we all receive the same birthday because the corporate bodies rebirth on the same day, and we all get our mortal bodies. We get our own individual rebirths on the same day. Yeah. That's so Makes cool. It'll be one big old birthday party. party. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be wait. awesome. Oh, God is good. You want to pick right. out a question here, Greg? Or because uh, just... you're doing a great job, Bob. Why don't you pick the next one? Okay, let's see. Let's see here. Um, there's a simple one here. Does anyone have any ideas and suggestions when Jesus comes to rapture the church? If Kevin was here, what would, we, what would he say? <laughs> when, when the rapture happens. Well, on yeah, the day yeah. the rapture happens. Yeah. Yeah. When, Boucher, when John Boucher blows his trumpet. Hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll tell you what. We have a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of big stuff happening in the next few weeks. And we just talked about the beginning of the show. We have the Pentagon now re- giving the Congress everything they know about UFOs. A supernatural, you know, thing going on now, and I think they're getting ready or getting in position to explain away the rapture. I mean, there is no—they have no other option to explain away the rapture other than to blame it on those guys up there. 
So they have to get everybody, you know, I think they have to get everybody, you know, used to the talking points of, you know, these UFOs and stuff like that. So I think they have, there's another plan they have with that, and they need everybody to start saying to themselves, hey, these things are dangerous. And by the way, the other thing that the reason why they want to push the whole UFO agenda now is because they're about to start the new world order, which will come about through this, this world war. Okay, so this every time you have a every time you have a major currency change, it always starts with a major world war. Okay, and here we are going to World War Three. We're having a currency change, and we have a new global order about to take over because of this war. Okay, so I think they're probably going to use these things, their man-made vehicles, re-engineered or back-engineered, and beam to scare everybody on Earth. So that way they can say everybody on earth just give up their rights so that way they can protect the planet, you know, and fight off these incoming aliens or UFOs or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, one world in the one world government, everybody's okay with it for your protection. Right, Bob, for your protection. Yes, indeed, for your protection. We want, we want to keep you safe. <laughs> yeah. We want to keep you safe, Toby. Yeah. Right, forget about That's the true. police. We yeah. want to be safe. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. All right. I mean, could yeah, you imagine how terrifying that would be, though? No. I mean, really? If yeah. if you didn't know Jesus and you've yeah. seen, you know, flying saucers and cities being vaporized. And oh, well, someone, I'm sure that a lot of, well, you know. Yeah. Some the, people will well, embrace it. I think some one of those people old, One of those old hokey movies that they used to have with. <laughs> you know, yeah, it reminds me of a like Independence Day. You know, yeah. they're all on the skyscraper, like yay! And then it's in the yeah. Project Blue Beam, right? There's a huge what was, beam. What were some of the people there. saying on there? They were saying, "Oh, they've come for us." Yeah, oh, yeah. some were excited, yeah. some were scared. I think it's going to be a mix. So it's going right. to be a mix. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be wild. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, heading out, you guys. Uh, Got to get up and go to work in the morning. So, oh, work that. Thank, thank you, Toby, for uh, coming on here tonight. It's good to meet you, and thank you. A real blessing that you know I may be in touch with you. Probably will, you know. Absolutely. um, Thank you, Lord bless you and your family. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. Have a good evening, brother. God bless. Good night. All right, so uh, we have a question for Toby. Uh, I work, this person, uh, Teresa, I work in a homeless shelter. If you had five minutes there, what would you say? Hmm, I would just talk about uh, where the importance of um, just knowing where, where you, when you take your last breath, where you spend eternity. I would talk about Jesus. I mean, you know, me going out getting shot. Yeah, you know, it is what it is, but. Man, if I'd have died that day, guys, I'd be in hell right now. Mm. Good grief. You know, and that that is just people, I don't think people don't want to talk about death. They don't want to be like they, you know, they want to put it. I don't want to hear about death. I want to just keep just going and do my thing with, you know, tunnel vision or whatever. But you know what? Yeah. If, if the rapture will happen in our lifetime, which I I agree with everybody here, I think it's gonna be really soon. But 
just let's say if it don't happen in our lifetime, we're going to die. And we're going to spend eternity one place or another. Man, and you know, just uh, the gospel uh, that everybody needs to hear it. And it, you know, and and then let the Holy Spirit take control over that. Let God, let God do his thing. So it's just, it's, I get, I, I'm just so sad to see, you know, there's so many people that just have those blinders on and just they're like, yeah, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear about this or that. Well, you're going to hear about him one day. I mean, one day you're going to be bowing in front of uh, of him. And I mean, where, where, where are you going to go? You know I mean? So anyway, that'd be my five minutes, I guess. Good. Very good. Yeah. That's an interesting question here. It says, do you think any human babies will be born during the tribulation? Unborn babies will be raptured, right? Of course they will. All the children will be raptured. Here's the thing. If the rapture happened today, all the children would be gone, okay? And what would happen, let's say there's a, a child that's born into this world the very next minute, okay? Somehow, some way, even though I believe all the wombs would be empty too. Because those babies, even though they haven't been born to the world yet, they are still alive in Christ. So the the babies who are still in the wombs will be removed. Okay. So with that Amen. being said, because we've seen that, I've seen that plenty of dreams and visions and people who have near death experiences and stuff yeah. like that. But they talk about there's like no children on earth for like nine months or like a, a year or two. So with that being said, that wouldn't mean that. If there are no children in the womb at this point, which means if a woman gets pregnant that day, she won't give birth to a child to like almost nine months later. The seven-year tribulation is a seven-year period, and we're already down about two months right now, two or three months, okay? So by the time that children, that child even gets old enough to make a decision like that, to take the mark of the beast, they won't, they won't be old enough to make that decision, Okay. So, you know what I'm saying? Because that's what I was talking about here. Do you think any human babies will be born during tribulation? Unborn unborn babies will be raptured, right? And somebody else in here was talking about how babies will receive the mark, okay? And I'm answering two questions here at once, all right? But they will not be alive long enough to get to that point of maturity, right, Michael, where they can make that spiritual decision to take the mark. Because you can't just be given the mark. You have to take it. You have to accept it because if you don't accept it, there's a penalty. You die. You get your head cut off. Okay. If the child is not old enough to make a decision, that child cannot either accept or deny it. You know what I'm saying? So I think God really has this figured out. And I think God will probably have all these children somehow protected anyways during this time. Angels, I'm sure, will be protecting them. What do you guys think? Go ahead. Ooh, Michael. Yeah, that's a that's a interesting thing to to contemplate. You know, I don't absolutely hundred percent know, but I definitely tend to definitely lean towards what you're saying, Bob. And I definitely think that when we look at all that's going on, when the seals are being broken, the famine, the diseases, the pestilence, kind of is not even really a very conducive environment for birthing children to begin with. You know, you're going to have malnourished people. You know, it takes a lot of nutrition to bring life into the world. Um, a lot of times people, you know, in extreme deficit of 
caloric deficits, you know, they aren't even fertile. So I don't even know how many children are really going to be able to be coming into the world. But again, I know God is just and righteous and holy. And however he handles that situation, I know it's going to be absolutely perfect. Amen. Amen. It's a, it's a tough question. That's a very, yeah, that is a tough question. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not going to comment on it. I'll, I think you guys <laughs> had enough. Uh, and, uh, yeah. You definitely put enough. We've come into this one right here. Have you heard that the rumor that the United States government is refurbishing old military equipment and getting ready for World War III? Would not surprise me, Michael, because we, we sent all of our equipment to Ukraine. And would yeah. you know that all that equipment is beginning to show up down south in Mexico? With the I know. Cartels. Yeah, so, I've seen that picture of them with the AT4. I was like, yeah. what? How are they really getting this stuff? Starting to make sense now. Like, all that stuff is just disappearing. We can't keep track of it. Oh, we can't keep track of it. You got Do you remember uh, the, the uh, with the, six different uh, Afghanistan <clears throat> debacle, right? Remember yeah. when we yeah. just left troves of stuff yeah. overseas, <laughs> unheard of. You know, when you're in the military, there's literally on every Humvee, every helicopter, guys. There's like a kill switch. There really is a kill switch. That way, if you have to abandon your post or abandon a vehicle, you can't take it. It will destroy it. You know, it's like a kill switch. It, it thermite, you know, it's phosphorus, white phosphorus. It will burn through the blocks. You know, it'll render the vehicle completely useless. And the same thing with the weapons, you know, they should be taking out firing pins, uh, firing retainer pins, you know, to be able to render them inoperable. Sometimes they'll, They'll warp the barrels or shave them off. You know, they'll do whatever it takes to render it inoperable. But no, they're like, you see those things cruising down the road. It's like, what? What did they just, those are SOPs, guys. Those are standard operating procedures to do with everything that's left behind. Yep. Coming from someone who's been taught those SOPs, right. what happened? Who, who gave an order to say this was okay to leave these in functional condition? That is the biggest question that I have. It's like, huh. So what is, where is all those armaments going? You know, yeah, what happened are, there? And now, yeah, like are, I said, the border, you know, things are showing up in places they shouldn't be. Yeah. These are the things we can see. Imagine the things we don't see, especially oh, underground. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's always talk about these underground tunnels all throughout the U.S. I do believe it, by the way. I mean, oh, I yeah, think maybe sure. you guys confirm that or Michael, but uh, about the underground tunnels all throughout the U.S. going oh, yeah. in different spots. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many uh, certain airports vehicles, right? Uh, weaponry uh, is down there. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't even think. I mean, there's got to be a whole other world down there, right? Yeah, yeah. subterranean world. You know, it's so weird to think about, and all these things we're going to find out about one day. But it, right now we can just postulate and we know they have it because the military makes no secret to where they have, you know, Cheyenne Mountain. There's so many different locations that they have borrowed huge and made giant caverns where they store, you know, equipment, classified stuff. They have to, you know, it's they need to keep it in a hardened area to where it can't, you know, no enemy surveillance can actually capture what they're looking at. So they don't know, you know, what right. we have in our stockpile, plus keeping it protected for any kind of attack. But, man, could you imagine the infrastructure that the DOD has beneath our feet? I, I just it's mind boggling. And, and, and the thing that all of our weapons are ending up in when the cartels now they're ending up yeah. in Mexico and they're armed themselves to coming over the border illegally. 
So they actually armed our enemies down there to come up here and fight us with our own weapons. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly yeah. What about that? Uh, what they did. What about that military spending report that for the very first time in like what, like 60 years since its inception or something that it had not been conducted. And that was the financial reports on all of our arms and equipment coming from, you know, DARPA and all these other Lockheed Martin and all these huge weapon manufacturers showing where we're getting, buying and selling. Cause you know, the, you guys, we don't realize, but the, the United States is like a huge arms dealer. We are dealing all the time in tanks, ammunition, you know, armored personnel carriers to many other NATO allies and countries. And then even sometimes not even that, you know. So think about all these transactions that are taking place. And there was one report that kept all of that into one document. And this was the first administration and the first time that had never been conducted. So that shows you that. You know, maybe they fudged some numbers and moved some commas in the past, but it must be so bad this time that they were like, I'm not even gonna try. We're just not even gonna do the report this time. We're just gonna we're just gonna put it in the shredder and just say, Hey, we decided not to do it no more. Yeah. It's Obama it's Obama three You know, when Obama's in president, he was president, he left all that equipment over there, started up ISIS, got all that going, you know, and, and all of a sudden Trump comes in. Everything's fine. You got, you know, no hokey pokey, none of that stuff. Everything's fine. And then, you know, the bad guys get in charge again. And right away, all this is all same thing all over again. Oops, we left all this equipment there. Sorry. I guess you guys can just have it. Go ahead. (laughs) You don't have to. We We got more. Do kill switches. (laughs) Have at it. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's crazy. It really is. And when I was at Fort Riley and, I had seen firsthand the, it was, it was amazing. You know, I thought all these interactions happened at the Pentagon, like really far out, you know, and, and being in an area where they're like, oh, well, they didn't pay the bill. So we're not going to go train these guys in this country, you know, in Niger, Africa, we're not going to train them because they haven't paid up yet. I was like, what? Am I working for the mob or something? <laughs> what, what is this? You know, I was like, this is crazy. These guys, man. Did you guys hear, Michael? <laughs> Maybe you can confirm this, Michael, or any of you guys. You know, they're, they're you know, when they got the, uh, the, stim- they're, uh, the, the, they avoided the government shutdown. Okay. Um, and they didn't want to take money away from the U.S. taxpayers, you know, those who receive Social Security. Medicaid and all that stuff like that, and the food stamps. Okay, they wanted to keep that going because those are their voters. Okay, that's their voter base. They want to make sure they vote Democratic, you know. But yeah. you know what they're getting rid of? Or talk about getting rid of, or speculate getting rid of paying our servicemen and women. Oh, they don't want to yeah, pay them. They're going to cut their pay to zero. Yep. You know what? Yep, that's say, a, that's a real thing, me. guys. It totally makes sense. Why? Because now we need them to defend this country for what's coming. We're going to World yeah. War Three, and we got a bunch of service people not getting paid. They're like, "I'm not going to yeah. fight. I'm not even getting paid." I was like, right. "That's wow." Yeah, that's, that's hey, totally that happened. Uh, that has like, happened. Um, plan. Oh, for I'll sure. never forget that. There was some stuff going on when Obama was in, and uh, they were talking about this because there was another one of those deck ceiling crunches. And Irene, I'll never forget. Yeah, my NCO was like. You know, it's possible that you guys aren't going to get. <laughs> I was like, 
what? That's yeah. actually possible? And he's like, yeah, we're the first people they cut funding to. I was wow. like, what? What? Yeah, <laughs> what? I'd be like, we'll issue your family. And I'm just kidding. I was going to say MREs. <laughs> they probably wouldn't even do that. You know, all the brass would probably have the MREs for their family. We'd just be stuck foraging. Crazy. It is wild. I never knew that was a thing until then. And, and so now when I see that coming back around, I was like, that's messed up, guys. <laughs> Could you imagine being deployed? And and they're like, oh, by the way, uh, you're not going to be able to take care of your family anymore back at home because you have no paycheck coming in. I mean, wow. and you know, they were saying, well, you have an option. Since you're not getting paid, you don't have to fight. You can just go home. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm going home. You know why? Because if I was in the service, you know what I would do? It's like, I know what's going to happen. Everybody's not going to fight. I might as well go back home and at least be able to protect my quarter acre here. At least protect <laughs> those I care about. Right. I'll be there to protect them. Okay. Yeah. I could totally see them doing that. And the name one thing that they did good for this military since they got Biden in in 2020. <laughs> By the way, I heard they lifted the restrictions of talking about that stuff, David Chow. Okay. <laughs> so... I'm not going to test the algorithm. <laughs> right. But it seems like here's another thing: they're lifting the restrictions for talking about that that debacle in 2020. All right, the selection. All right. Yeah. I'm not. I'm going to say how it does, but the thing is, like, why all of a sudden are they going to do that now? It's like they want all of right. us to know what happened. So you know yeah. why? I think they're doing that so they could tick everybody off and cause the, the United States citizens to rise up against the government. If that happens, because all this information is not being censored no more, you got credible sources came out coming out and say, "Hey, it really did happen in 2020." Guess what? All the United States citizens are going to raise up, fight the government, and guess what? UN, UN peacekeepers, yeah. China, come on in. We need help. Yep. And all of a sudden, here's the same coming thing coming here, and we're finished. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's just everything. We're stupid, Michael. <laughs> they probably they, they probably think I'm crazy, but that's okay. You know, because they want people to see how tyrannical the governments have been and how corrupt yeah. their world establishment's been. I think that's a whole part of paving the way for the new world order. You know, you have to expose the darkness and then give a false light. You know, like oh, come to this light. This is better now. We're gonna take care of you for real this time. You know, but it's just the same smoke and mirrors. You know, it's the same craziness all the time. Right. We get into Ecclesiastes, right, Bob? Nothing new under the sun. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. This, this is where we're going to end uh, this pod, uh, podcast, webcast. Thank you, Toby, for coming back on or coming on with us. This is the first time I'm saying coming back. I feel yeah. like you've been with us before. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, we, I'm, we, I'm yes. with you guys every Tuesday. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. See? Every Tuesday. All right. Well, thank you for coming on with us, brother. We appreciate it. And again, anyone who wants to get in touch with Toby, there's his email address, tobybethel at gmail.com. Tobybethel at gmail.com. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another uptime. And uh, we do appreciate your contribution to this. And uh, we do thank you for your prayers, obviously. Um, we did say we were going to lift you up, brother, and um, let's let's do that right now before we end. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Toby. I thank you for his his dedication to you, um, just his his love for you, Lord. I thank you for the ability for him to come on to speak and share his testimony. I ask for fresh anointing and a blessing upon him and his family that you protect them, Lord. Hedge of protection over him and his family. 
um, and just give him uh, con continued strength, wisdom, guidance, and direction where you want him to go with uh, his ministry and how he speaks to others, Lord. Just give him the words to speak um, and just put him in those areas that you want him to be, Lord, to shine that light, Lord, the light of Jesus Christ to others who have not heard uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. May they hear it and may they understand it and uh, may they be saved. Lord God, thank you for this man. Thank you for what he's done and, uh, and what he continues to do and just continue to work through him, Lord. And uh, we just pray for each and every other, every person who's listening to this webcast tonight and uh, both uh, live and on the recording that you bless them as well. And, uh, that you protect them. Uh, there be a hedge of protection over each and every one of them. We look forward to your return, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you and praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.